constant through all the years, Ray. Been Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career render, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. Glad to have you along. Hope you'll spend the next hour here with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. Our website is btgprogram.com and you can find us on social media at btgprogram. Coming up on today's show, besides Zach's new list of shenanigan statements and telling you what it is we like this week, perhaps even some others of our regular features, We're going to talk some hockey, look at some of the surprising turns in the Stanley Cup playoffs thus far. We'll also talk about Joe Thornton of the San Jose Sharks having played four games in their first round loss to the Edmonton Oilers with a torn ACL and MCL. I I just... I think we probably can talk about whatever we want on this show because we've just told them we're going to talk about hockey and now no one's going to listen. <laughs> That's not true. People like hockey. I, I know. Yeah, especially around here. A lot of places don't talk about hockey. So ESPN's not going to anymore. They don't have any people left to talk about hockey. <laughs> how how did they fire or lay off whatever their choice of wording is? Mm-hmm. Did I see all their Stanley Cup commentators? I All saw their hockey the, coverage. I saw the list, and I can't. I, I I don't know of anybody that's still left. Hey, why didn't you wait till after the playoffs? Right, it's a couple of weeks. Or all the football guys that they fired the day before the draft. You know, like just I don't understand. That's not on the list for today, folks. That's a bunny trail. I'm sorry. I've watched ESPN for a long time. I going back to the late Tom Mees. I I remember when they were just a little tiny nothing of a station, and I enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed ESPN over the years, up until the last few years. And I'm not smart enough to put my finger on it, but there is definitely something that's changed that I don't like. I've seen a lot in the media about their left-wing attitudes and their uh, you know agendas. I, I don't know if I buy into all that, but there is something different. And they've gotten away from sports, much the, the same way MTV got away from yeah. music videos. I mean, that's why I watched MTV. I don't care about any of their programs. I like to watch yeah. the music videos. Well, And it used to be with ESPN, just like what you're saying, you could turn on ESPN almost any time of day and get a highlight show. You'd get a sports center on the loop. You'd, you'd get the highlights and the rundown of the day before. You could turn on ESPN now and go 20 minutes without seeing a highlight. It's just it's just people yelling their opinions at each other and trying to say the most bizarre thing and get the most comments on the web page. Yeah, or there whatever, is a lot know? of that, a lot of putting certain personalities with other certain personalities. And I guess they all do it. Fox Sports yeah. is doing oh, it's, it too. It's, yeah, it's everywhere. Um I don't I don't care for that. I'm I just want the sports highlight. And there's a lot of things. I, I mean it was unfortunate that they had to lay off so many people now that you've brought us down this bunny trail. Some good people <laughs> did lose their jobs, but they have to. You mentioned nobody likes hockey or, or nobody listens to hockey coverage, and I just don't think that's true. You're passionate hockey fans are passionate about hockey and they wanna they wanna talk about it. But again, ESPN, they've just been covering football. 
LeBron James, and, yeah. it, it, and I'm, I know that's not it, but they have their things that they cover, and they don't get beyond that. Yeah, it's football, and it's LeBron James, and then once a year, it's could LeBron James play football? And we and then try just spin cycle it. We try here to talk about a wide variety of things, and I, I obviously we're a local little show. We're not national coverage. We're not ESPN, of course, but. Even so, trying to talk some hockey, trying to talk a little basketball, trying to talk about different things that keep us well-rounded and sounding intelligent, unlike this opening segment. <laughs> We're also going to talk about the first month of Major League Baseball, and i got to tell you, I'm not disappointed. Mm-mm. We'll talk about some of the terrific stories so far in the early part of the season, and we're not going to get into that full segment now, but I've been impressed by so many great plays, so many so many players that have really taken off. And we're only a few weeks into the season. Yeah, We've seen some tremendous home runs. We've seen some acrobatic defensive plays. And how about the play the other night by, by Toronto's Chris Coglin? That was nuts. You know, a friend of the program, of course, Chris Coglin. I, I saw a picture someone shared this week of Coglin's, you know, jumping over the catcher. And it was side-by-side side with an image from the movie Major League where, yeah. who was it, Willie Mays Hayes? Does the same I thing. Saw that comparison the images too. were remarkable in how similar they were. It was an amazing play, tremendous baseball play, good, hard nosed, aggressive baseball. And, you know, of course, Chris has struggled since that rookie of the year season he had with the Marlins. And we'll talk a little later in the program about sticking to it, not giving up, trusting God. And even though he's never replicated that same type of success he had as a rookie, He's still making a career in Major League Baseball. He's yeah. still making a nice wage compared to you and I and most people listening. He's getting to do what he loves. And, you know, it's been a while since I talked to him or since he came on our show. But in asking others who know him a little closer than I do about him, I understand he's doing well. And like I said, I really don't want to get into it now. But his story is a good lead into that segment we have coming up. He He's not had an easy go of it in life. And losing his dad, channeling that hurt through the game of baseball. He became a Christian thanks to the humbleness and the testimony of one of his teammates. In fact, here is Chris Coughlin talking about that moment he places faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know, when I was in spring training there, um, you know, I had been partying and stuff like that and uh, made some bad choices and it uh, affected my play on the field. And it's important to know that at that time, baseball was my job. So when that was disrupted because of choices I made off the field, it really humbled me because baseball was the most important thing in my life. And there was a guy who was reading the Bible named Darren Roberts. He's now uh, out of baseball, just finished seminary, and solid man. He, uh, you know, he asked me if I was a man of faith. I said, I don't really know what that means. What do you mean by that? He asked if I was living for the Lord. I said, well, no, I mean, I believe in God, but I wouldn't say I'm living right. And then he kind of wanted to talk. I was like, oh, no, I'm good right now. And then there was just at the time, uh, um, you know, he served me later that day, actually, in a way that I just was dumbfounded because I would never serve somebody like that. And I was like, man, there's something different about this guy. You know, I would never do that for somebody. Why did he do that for me? And it really opened an avenue for um, him to share the gospel. And we later went to dinner um, a couple of nights later, all because of I just felt different about him since he would do such a kind act for me. I wanted to know different about him and um, so we go eat 
And uh, then we ended up going to Starbucks. I didn't even drink coffee at that time in my life, but I went. And after a couple hours, he walked me through the gospel. And um, I remember him sharing Ephesians 2 8. That says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but a gift from God, so that no man can boast. And that really uh, opened my eyes because it just was so anti what I ever thought. You know, everything in this world preaches that you have to earn your way. You know, you got to go to college. You got to earn your way by getting good grades. You know, you got to, in order to make it to the big leagues, you got to earn your way there by working hard and beating everybody. And so, to understand that the gospel is this free gift that that God had given to us when He put His Son on the cross for us, and that it was only by grace that we do have faith, and not by me earning my salvation. I was just completely, you know, floored and humbled. At that, and the other one was Romans ten nine that if you confess through your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And again, that just spoke to the simplicity and the fact that again, I just I had to believe in my heart that God is who He said He was and uh, what He did on the cross for us in me. And I just was like, man, this is unbelievable. Um, I really want to have a relationship with Jesus. So we prayed that night in Starbucks. I received Christ in St. Patty's Day. And I'd already planned that night to go out and go drink green beer at a bar somewhere. And I remember him, and I told him that night, too. I remember him asking after that. He was like, hey, uh, I remember, you know, you were saying you wanted to go to a bar. You know, are you still kind of wanting to do that? And I was like, you know, actually, man, I just want to go home and just really read about this Jesus cat and just get to know them and understand them. I love that line. You know, just going to get go home, get to know this Jesus cat. And <laughs> good for Chris. Good yeah. to see him on, well, you mentioned ESPN. Good to see him on SportsCenter. What a tremendous highlight. And like to see him do well. Now it's time for the most awesome thing I saw this week. Everything is awesome. The most awesome thing I saw was really the most awesome thing I read this week, and congratulations to St. John Fisher College's Lindsay Thayer, who was named the Empire 8 Pitcher of the Week after throwing two no-hitters for Fisher last week. One of those no-hitters, in fact, was her first perfect game. Now get this, Thayer's first no-hitter, follow the week for this young lady, Her first no-hitter featured 18 strikeouts through seven innings. She came within one walk of a perfect game against Cuca College last Tuesday. As if that wasn't impressive enough, on Friday against Nazareth College, Thayer tied an NCAA D3 record with 21 strikeouts in seven innings in a Friday win over Nazareth in which she gave up just three hits. Then, how her arm isn't falling off at this point, I don't know. Because on Saturday... She threw a perfect game and notched her 1,000th career strikeout as her Cardinals, who are now ranked 10th in the nation, swept a doubleheader against Alfred. Thayer, her perfecto, came in the second game where she struck out 17, but she also pitched two innings in the first game, striking out four for Fisher. Here's her week. No runs, three hits, 60 strikeouts, 23 innings pitch. Holy cow. Her 1,000 strikeouts have come in just under 570 career innings, and she has a career ERA of .84. That's that's like video game level. That's ridiculous. Most awesome thing I saw this week. Congratulations to her. 
This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. This is Zach Barletta with me. We'll be back right after the break. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. It's here, Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. Appropriate bumper, Zach, for this segment. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, recording the Beyond the Game program from Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We want to say hello to those listening from Pembroke, Massachusetts. They've joined many others from across the nation and even in many places around the world who downloaded last week's podcast. And you can, too. Just look for the show on iTunes or find it at our website, btgprogram.com. Born in Pembroke, Massachusetts, was Eric Flame, who won a silver medal in speed skating at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary. Maybe it's him who's listening. Or maybe it's Pat Selstam, another speed skater. He won a silver medal in in the World Cup a year later. Pembroke, a hotbed of speed skating. (laughs) Also the number one place for second place finishers. All right. (laughs) The almost, I almost made it cap of the world. (laughs) Of course, I'm joking. Pembroke is also the birthplace of a few professional soccer players and really many, many fine and good-looking people. Also born in Pembroke, Massachusetts, was the great left-winger Kevin Stevens. You remember Kevin Stevens, Zach? Part of the Stanley Cup-winning Pittsburgh Penguins team. He skated on the same line as Mario Lemieux. He also played for a number of NHL teams, uh, other NHL teams, including your own New York Rangers, Kevin Stevens. Easy to get overlooked when you're on a line with Lemieux. It it is, but he was a, he was a great player. Did you know? Perhaps this even qualifies as useless information, although that's really your business. Useless information. Useless information. You have a lot of useless information in your head. It's as useless as the Winter Olympics. You are useless, Ignacio. Kevin Stevens had a couple of baseball major league tryouts. 
invites, I should say. He actually declined them. He was invited to try out with the Toronto Blue Jays, the Philadelphia Phillies, and he declined them both, choosing instead to go to Boston College on a hockey scholarship. And speaking of hockey, we have mentioned it really many times, including last week. But hockey fans, hockey players, hockey people, I should say, they're just a different breed of people. Boy, I mean, that's the truth. Take my good friend Zach here. You know, <laughs> he lives his life just a little bit left of center, and as does free agent to be Joe Thornton of the San Jose Sharks. Thornton suffered a knee injury in back in April 2nd, the early part of the, the month, and though he didn't play in games one or two of their series, their opening round match with the Edmonton Oilers, he did manage to notch two assists in four postseason games in the series, After the Sharks were eliminated four games to two, it was revealed that he played with a torn ACL and a torn MCL. That's just unbelievable. I can't, like a lot of people, I said this the other day to somebody at work, you have even one of those injuries, it's hard to like even get out of bed or go down a set of stairs. Like the fact that he was playing playoff hockey and notched a couple of assists is just, it seems physically impossible. How in the world do you do that? I'm pretty confident he is significantly tougher than I am. <laughs> well, just look at his beard. I mean, maybe oh, he's got good beard. That maybe that's that's the a tough of guy it. beard because yeah. it's a little wrangly and and there's un- like animals living camp. in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was taken by surprise by the Sharks' first round loss. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, last year they they represented in the the West and played for the mm. Cup a year ago. Then they get taken out by Edmonton, and I, I certainly mean no disrespect to Edmonton, but I was expecting San Jose to take care of business there and go pretty yeah. deep into the playoffs. Certainly not to get swept. No. Well, no, they didn't get swept. It was oh, four games right. to that's two, right. wasn't it? Yes. Man, there's a bunch of surprises out west. Now, Chicago, they lost. And they, they did get swept. They did get swept. And St. Louis disposed of the Minnesota Wild fairly easily, mm-hmm. and that I was expecting a good series, but... The Wild were terrific all year long, mm-hmm. and then lose to St. Louis the way they did. It just—it's just not how I've expected to see it go. Yeah, I expected that to be a long series with two really evenly matched teams trading blows, and to be a really fun series to watch. And uh, St. Louis took care of them with ease. It looked like. Yeah, no surprises to me in the East, though. Were you surprised by anything you saw there? Not really. No. Um, the one thing I will say is that I've read a lot of people on Twitter and stuff saying, oh, the Rangers, you know, they played their cards right. They got the easy matchup in Ottawa. And I'm not overlooking Ottawa because you're in the second round of the playoffs now. Anybody can beat anybody. And you, you can't overlook a team until you've got the four wins. Yeah, I don't think you can overlook anybody when you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're they're just – that's a different game. It's a different elevation And that's why, I mean, I I was surprised for San Jose to lose to Edmonton, and I certainly don't mean to dismiss Edmonton because, again, they made the playoffs and good for them. But But San Jose Jose is a team that has been there and done that many times. And like we said, they went to the final last year. Edmonton, uh, you know, not many of their players have ever even played in a playoff game of any sort. So to see them knock off the Sharks and move on and, and look as good as they look without getting a whole lot of scoring from Connor McDavid either. I mean, just think about this team if he heats up and starts scoring goals. I mean, they're they're a good hockey team. I think we're going to talk more about that later, in fact. Getting back to Joe Thornton, I mean, he's going to be a free agent this offseason, and you, you wonder a little bit about what the Sharks might be thinking about with Joe Thornton and mm-hmm. what the market could be for an aging guy who's still a very good player. I mean, certainly a very tough player playing on a oh, torn yeah. ACL and MCL, but... 
He's long beyond his MVP year. He's long beyond those leading scorer days. It, I mean, to me, it just seems like yesterday when I was looking up some of his stats when he was with the Boston Bruins. And he's been with the Sharks now since 2005, 2006. I was blown away by that. I didn't realize it had been that long. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Thornton is just one of three players in NHL history to record back-to-back 90-assist seasons? You know who the other two are? Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. Wow. That's pretty good company. Yeah. Do you remember the beef the Bruins had with him? Because I don't. I, I, I recall that there seemed to be some bitterness. And I it was remember mostly that on the Bruins happened, part. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't. The Boston sent him, their captain, the team's leading scorer at the time, to San Jose. They got back Marcus Marco Sturm, Wayne Primu, and defenseman Brad Stewart. That's not a whole lot to get back for a Joe Thornton. It seems underwhelming. Yeah, it certainly seems like the Sharks got the best of that deal. And a couple of years later, Mike O'Connell, he was the Bruins general manager who made the deal. He goes on record saying that he would have still made the deal. Knowing what he knew later, he would have still made that deal. He took pride in the fact that Boston won a Stanley Cup before Thornton and the Sharks would ever. There was something about Thornton being a bad guy. That's, That's what I seem to remember why Boston wanted to move him, but I never remember hearing what it was that they thought made him a bad guy. I've never heard that. you know. And as I say, I don't really remember, or maybe I never even knew, but I'm not sure what went down there. But talking about this and looking up some of Joe Thornton's trade talk from years ago reminds me of the other day. I was talking to a guy, and he was just going on about some other fella who had been picked up by his softball team, and he talked about the guy being a bad dude. Just He's just a bad guy, a bad influence. He wasn't even sure he wanted to play softball now that no, he knew this other fellow was going to be on the team. And I asked him what made him such a bad guy. And he says, I, I just don't like him. Said, well, come on, there's got to be more to it than that. And he says, no, nah, you know, he's just a bad guy. And you might not like him, but that doesn't necessarily make him a bad guy. And you have you have people maybe part of your family, I don't know, who you really don't like all that much. <laughs> you know, they just, I do. Mm-hmm. I've got people like that. Oh, and, yeah. You know, you have to love them. That's what we're commanded to do. But it's hard because I don't like them all that right. much. But <laughs> you don't have to like them. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of shows that God is still working on my heart and that there's a lot of work there to do. And not because it's taking him a long time to do the work, because it's just it's really more me taking a long time to let him do that work. But, you know, some people just rub you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They just kind of whatever it is, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. They just rub you the wrong way. And maybe I've already shared this with you, but there's a there's a guy at the gym. He's one of these guys that just rub me the wrong way. Guy that goes to the same gym I go to. And first off, Oh, my word, does he smell bad? <laughs> I mean, he just stinks. And, okay, we're at a gym. Maybe that's, you know, come to be expected. But when he come, gets on a machine anywhere near me, I have to make believe, like, I was just finishing up and go mm-hmm. get on something else. But then he doesn't take a towel or two to wipe the machine down. Ugh. He takes half a roll. All right, that's not bad. He showers with the curtain open. How is that? How do you even do that? Water's getting everywhere. I, maybe he doesn't trust something. I don't know. But he, he has the curtain open, and he walks around completely naked, doesn't cover up. And I look, it's a locker room. I expect there's going to be a certain amount of nakedness, but you're going from one place to another. Wrap yourself up in a towel. Yeah, man. And there was this one time where he was talking to another guy in the locker room, 
And I'm sitting there on the bench putting my shoes on, and he's standing there with no towel talking to this other fella. And unfortunately for me, he was standing a lot closer to me than I would have been comfortable with or I was comfortable <laughs> with. And remember, I'm sitting, so, yeah. you know. Not comfortable. I, I actually had to say something because he didn't pick up on it. He's standing there. I'm like, um, excuse me, this is a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can, can you move back some? So am I, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. But clearly I'm still working on it because this cat rubs me the wrong way. But as a Christian. I need to be kind. I need to show compassion. I need to be friendly, but not too friendly, especially in that situation. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like O'Connell seemed to be after trading Thornton, we certainly shouldn't be holding on to bitterness. We, 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 you know, we shouldn't rejoice that someone else isn't having the same success that we might do or we might enjoy. But uh, most people do, don't they? They kind of rejoice oh, yeah. when other people are, aren't doing as well as they are. I mean, is it any wonder that people don't want anything to do with our Christianity when we act that way sometimes? There, you know, that was not the case with Jesus. And frankly, you know, our callousness or, or our lack of compassion, well, that's not drawing people to Jesus, not, not in the least. You could stand on a street corner with a bullhorn and you could tell people they're going to hell, but without compassion, without being friendly, you really have very little chance of getting through to them. I didn't say no chance. I, look, God does amazing things through all kinds of different circumstances, mm. but Jesus knew compassion. He was he was righteous. He knew right from wrong, and he knew wrong from right. Consider the woman caught in adultery. We've mentioned this a few times, used her as an example in John chapter 8. The scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman who was caught in the very act and you know, you can get the sense of their self-righteousness in the story when reading the account. But in verse 5, they remind Jesus. This is John chapter 8, verse 5. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? They want to trap Jesus. That's what they're trying to do here. They couldn't handle his righteousness. They couldn't handle his goodness. They were envious. It just kind of ate him up, and they looked for something, anything, that they could accuse him of. So Jesus tells the people that he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And the Bible tells us one by one, the accusers were convicted by their own consciences, their their own conscience, their own guilt, and they simply left. Jesus turns to the woman and he asks, where are your accusers? And she says, I don't have any. And he replies in verse 11, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Now don't misinterpret that. Jesus wasn't light on sin. He was heavy on love. He was heavy on compassion. Sinful people are going to do what sinful people do best, and that's sin. That's what we all do. We're all sinful people, and we're all in need of compassion at times, and this fella in the locker room is in need of compassion. And when we had that awkward situation, I'm trying to be friendly towards him, but yet, can you move your yeah. stuff away from my shoulder? Yeah. He's in know? need of pants, but also compassion. <laughs> well, well put. I might say the same thing that Jesus said, you know, when we rub somebody the wrong way. Because we all do. I'm sure I rub people the wrong way. He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone first. Jesus is willing to forgive all sin. The thing is to not, for us not to repeat it over and over. And I just, I... Mm-hmm. 
I know this is a long way from talking about Joe Thornton, but you're just thinking about, I can't remember what made Thornton a bad dude. I can't remember why Boston wanted so desperately to move him and moved him for really, they got nothing back. Mm-hmm. And then years later, that the, their former general manager is still, well, I, I would still do it today. I, I just don't understand that kind of bitterness. And maybe he wasn't bitter. So I, uh, when we come in those situations, it's, we need to be forgive, forgiving. Mm-hmm. We need to be showing compassion. The life of a Christian who genuinely is seeking after God, it's a life that's marked with love. It's marked with kindness. It's marked with forgiveness. And we overlook those little faults, things that we might think make somebody a bad dude. Okay, this guy's going to play on my softball team. He rubs me the wrong way, but he's not necessarily a bad dude. He's got these quirks, and you got to overlook them. you got to try to move past them. We all have areas of our lives where we need more work, where our hearts need to be changed, where sin seems to have a tight grip on us and where we are easily tripped up. You know, it could be lust for women, could be pornography, lying, cheating, who knows? Whatever it is, sin has cost us our a place in heaven. Uh, Jesus Christ, again, heavy on love, heavy on compassion. He's willing to forgive us as he did the woman at the uh, caught in adultery. And he's willing to forgive your sins, too. In fact, he's already paid the debt of your sins when he gave his life on the cross. And he chose to give up his life as a sacrifice to pay the weight of your sins. He paid the weight of my sins. And he's the only one who could because he was righteous. He was holy. If you've come to a place in your life where you've gotten right with God, when then God looks at your sin, what he sees is Jesus paying it. He sees the blood of his son on the cross that sacrifice being sufficient to redeem our sins. If we want a place in heaven, if we want a restored relationship with God, we need to accept that free gift of eternal life. We, it means simply admitting, uh, much like Chris Coughlin said in that testimony we shared earlier in the show, admitting to God you're a sinner, knowing that the cross is is not only true, but it's sufficient, and believing that Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. And and you just need to ask God to forgive you of your sins and accept him as your Savior. And, you know, I talk about needing work in my heart, and we all do, but only God can move one's heart in this way. Only God can do that. Romans 10, 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. He has a free gift of eternal life, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's only by God's grace that he freely offers it through the shed blood of his Son on the cross. If you want to find out more about becoming a Christian, visit our website, btgprogram.com. Send us an email here to the program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Time now for the Red Hawks report for April 29th, 2017, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. The women's track and field team captured their third straight East Coast Conference outdoor title on Saturday. Senior Chelsea Hayward winning the 100-meter, 200-meter, and also as part of the 4x100-meter relay. Sophomore Christina Button scoring points in seven different events, including a first-place finish in the high jump, and also as part of the 4x100-meter relay team. 
Senior Rachel Hutchinson winning at 1,500 meters and shaving seven seconds off the meet record in the process. Meanwhile, freshman Anna O'Neill was the shot put winner. On the men's side, they fell just short of making it a complete Red Hawk sweep, settling for a second-place finish just 16 points behind St. Thomas Aquinas. Roberts dominating in the 800-meter run, taking first, second, and third. Freshman Josiah Adelini took the top spot, followed by senior Aaron Balomo and fellow freshman Adrian Mazur. There was also a couple of 1-2 finishes as well for the Red Hawks, Belomo finishing first in the 1,500-meter race ahead of Adelini, while senior Matt Watson won at 5,000 meters ahead of sophomore Justin Schaefer. Freshman Ashton Collier won the 110-meter hurdles, senior Malcolm Shaw won the javelin throw, and freshman Paul Dunbar was victorious in the pole vault. The Red Hawks also pulled out a victory in the 4-by-800-meter relay. Senior Caleb Edwards finished tied for fourth overall in leading the Red Hawks men's golf team to a strong second-place finish at the Mercyhurst Spring Invitational this week. The Red Hawks shot a team score of 603 in the two-round tournament, improving by 17 strokes on day number two. In men's lacrosse, Roberts got three goals each from sophomore Cody Menzies and senior Alex Bianchi, but it wasn't enough as Roberts Wesleyan fell to number 8 Mercyhurst University on senior night this past Tuesday, extending their losing streak to 8. They'll look to get back on the winning side later today, though, on the road at LIU Post before closing out the season tomorrow, Sunday, at Georgian Court University. If you're quick, you still have one last chance to catch the women's lacrosse team in action at home. They'll be closing out the season later today at noontime, hosting the University of Bridgeport. That's it for the Red Hawks Report for this week, April 29th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is, of course, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can always follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks or visit their website for the latest news and scores, athletics.roberts.edu. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view, highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here's your host, Rick Benson. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Here's my friend Zach Barletta with this week's shenanigan statements. All right, number one, the San Francisco Giants should discipline Madison Bumgarner after he injured his shoulder in a dirt bike accident. Hmm. I'm going to say shenanigans. I think being out two months or so is probably more disappointing and more of an effective consequence than anything the Giants could have given him anyhow. You know, I have to imagine that the lost time, not to mention the embarrassment, mm-hmm. will do more to cause him to think twice next time. I'm this is probably something he's done a million times. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it just, sometimes no matter how much precaution you take, things just happen. There's always that one time, isn't there? And I mean, if there's language in his contract that stipulates a corresponding punishment, then they should follow through on that. But, mm-hmm. 
I don't see the necessity to go further. This is disappointing to him, I'm sure. I say shenanigans as well. It was the reason I included this question is that my first thought when I read the news was, well, he's an idiot. They don't. They shouldn't pay him, you know, or they should find a way to withhold the money that he's due or something. And the more I thought about it, I think you're right that missing two months, possibly more of a season on a team that's already under 500, and this is probably the nail and in, in the coffin of their playoff hopes like it's, in April. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I told you before the year that the Rockies are going to be a surprise team in the Dad, West, but look at them. But, uh, you know, just this is a team that's struggling for answers right now. And then to lose Madison Bumgarner for that long is, is a pretty big blow. And for, for him, I think that not being able to compete and help the team is going to be torturous for him. I think it's, that's punishment enough. And it's not, I have to believe it's not like he's going to go do this again. Like he's going to get healthy and go ride the dirt bike again. Clearly, this is the worst punishment he could go through, and I would assume he's learned not to dirt bike during baseball season. Number two, Milwaukee Brewers first baseman Eric Thames will still be leading the league in home runs when the season ends. No, shenanigans. You know, obviously it's a great start to the season. It makes for a terrific story, but... Every even though every once in a while there's there's a classic miss like this with all the data available on players today, there's a reason t- uh, teams passed on on Tim's and, and he played overseas as a result. You know he was in Korea. It'd be cool if he did, but I think at this point to believe that he will it would be a little bit overzealous. I want to say yes. Uh, I did a little digging, as you know, I like to do, and what I found was that he says that going to Korea. Nobody throws fastballs over there, hardly ever. So what he had to do was learn all the different breaking balls, learn to recognize them out of the pitcher's hand. And as a result of his time over there, his pitch recognition of pitches out of the pitcher's hand has gotten tremendously better. He always had the raw power. He was always a big, strong guy. Even when yeah, he I came saw up. some of that where he talked about his discipline yeah. has improved. And so his discipline's improved. He's not chasing pitches. He's recognizing pitches. But at the same time, no one's got any recent film of him to break down. You know, and he's he's going to see adjustments soon from pitchers that he's going to have to adjust to their adjustment. So while I I really would like to say that this is a feel good story that's going to continue all year, um, I think he'll be good all year. But I think eventually they're going to figure him out. So I will I will say shenanigans as well. Number three, newly signed Adrian Peterson will return to being one of the NFL's top running backs now that he has signed with the Saints. What are your thoughts on this, Zach? Shenanigans. Uh, Besides the fact that he is old, old, old and running back (laughs) years, the fact that he's now had a couple of very serious injuries that he's missed time with, he's going to the Saints, and the Saints want to throw the ball. And the Saints also have another very capable running back in Mark Ingram. Adrian Peterson, I think, is going to be a change of pace. He's not going to see anywhere near 20 carries a game. Uh, I think he'll be a nice, useful player for them but I do not think he's going to be a top performer this season. What a shock. You and I agree because I say shenanigans too, and I didn't even think about the Saints being a team that likes to throw. I, I mean, I hope he does well, but I think we've seen that the window for NFL running backs is mm-hmm. extremely small, and he may, he may be an effective back. He may have some great plays, but uh, once players get on the other side of that window, especially when they've had injuries on top of that, mm-hmm. to expect them to be one of the league's best would be unrealistic in my opinion. But I would think he's still capable of being productive. I think, yeah. as you said, a nice change of pace. And if 
I suppose if you mean by top running back in the upper half of all the guys in the league, well, he might be that. Yeah, there's a lot of bad running backs in the league. Yeah, so. it's, it's a tough position, and the game has changed so much that it's just not a – it's not the position it once was. Mm-hmm. Number four, after being swept in the first round of the NHL playoffs by Nashville, the Chicago Blackhawks' run as a dynasty is officially over. I agree. Not that I think they can't go back out there and win it next year, as long as they keep guys like Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, but I, I just can't consider someone a dynasty if they don't have back-to-back titles. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's We've talked about it before. The Blackhawks won three titles in six years. Very impressive. But none of them were back-to-back. So I don't consider them a dynasty in the first place. Being swept in the first round, well, that was... Uh, that was certainly eye-opening. It was a very much a surprise to me, and it it could it could do one of two things. It could serve as you know a very large final bell in that recent history of title runs that they've been on, or perhaps it serves as a big swift kick in the pants and motivates them towards another cup. Either way, they're not a dynasty to me. I think we've had the the discussion on air before about the definition of dynasty, and I. Uh, I do consider them a dynasty. I think just being such a dominant force in the league for such a long stretch, in my mind, makes them a dynasty. But I think that um, something I've said about them, I think, on this show before, is that in a salary cap league, their top guys, the ones that everybody knows from the Blackhawks, Kane and Taves, they're making so much money that they've had to sort of shuffle guys through a year at a time on the, the third and fourth lines. And They've always gotten the the mix right, the chemistry right, and been able to be a deep and complete hockey team. But you knew eventually, as they keep cycling those players in and out, they're going to get the mix wrong. And I felt like this year they got the mix wrong and it just wasn't enough. Um, I think that they are about two-thirds of a dynasty team right now. But I just, I see the window closing pretty quickly. So I am going to have to say I agree with the statement. Last but not least... Now that they're into the second round, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders this year. What do you think? I say yes. Uh, I agree. I think I mentioned this earlier in our hockey discussion, but they're a very good team. I think maybe um, some people overlooked them when they got into the playoffs because it's been so long and and stuff like that, and, and a lot of their star power is very young, but... This is a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl kind of leading the charge and scoring a ton of points, and they've gotten good enough goaltending and good enough defense that that offense has been able to carry them. And I think that um, their beating of the Sharks was a uh, kind of a wake up call to the rest of the league, perhaps. And uh, I'm not writing them off. I hope they make it to the final, and I think that they can. Maybe being a New York Islanders fan. You know, there's a couple of teams that I never want to see do well. Uh, obviously, the Philadelphia Flyers, more than any other franchise in all of sports, <laughs> I want the franchise, the Flyers to not do well. But the Edmonton Oilers, there was a classic rivalry between the Islanders and the Oilers. And I just, it's hard for me to say I think they're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, uh, nor do I want them to be. Uh, getting past San Jose was impressive. Doing it in six was impressive. Heck, just getting back into the playoffs was impressive. It's been, mm-hmm. no doubt, a very successful year for the Oilers. But uh, they face a reality check. Uh, this is going to be a really tough task getting past the Anaheim Ducks, who I expect to come out of the West. But, look, I know as we re- we record this, they're up one zip on the Ducks. And 
look, if we can, if they can get past the flying V, well, then maybe we <laughs> we can revisit this. But I'm just, I'm oh, not well convinced played. they're a legitimate threat. I think they're real happy with where they are, but I don't see them going much further. I'm just glad we finally disagreed on something. This was getting to be bad radio. Yeah, well, it doesn't. Well, it's always been bad radio, <laughs> but. <laughs> We we tend to agree more than we don't, and you know that's what makes it. We never make it on ESPN because they like to, as we talked earlier, they like to put those different personalities. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little baseball. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Benson and Barletta taking you through the hour here on the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. You know, Zach, the Yankees could be winless. Stadiums could be condemned because of health code violations. The weather could have caused <laughs> every game to be played in the rain and the fog the way it was the other night in Fenway. And I would still 
be enjoying baseball. I, man, as long as I can remember, I've loved baseball. It just the game just seems perfect to me. Even the colors, the white chalk, the brown dirt against the green grass. I mean, God's favorite game starts out the Bible talking about the big inning. Uh, <laughs> you know, so for me to say that I've thoroughly been enjoying the first month of baseball really isn't much of a surprise. Of course I have. But mm. how can you not be enjoying the season so far? Maybe unless you're a Mets fan. If you're Ooh, a Mets fan, yeah. this has been a downer of a year. Eight and 12, and now Noah Syndergaard being pushed back with some discomfort and what his biceps or something. They Probably yeah. no big deal. I'm sure it's I'm probably I'm sure Mets no. fans are raining off bridges right now. Yeah, and again, probably no big deal. But there's now that question in their minds or in their heads. You know, the Mets rotation which has received so much praise, so much hype around them. It's never healthy. They, they've they dealt with injuries, and they've just not been able to live up to, so far, those expectations. And it'll only make it worse for Mets fans that their own team is having injury problems. Like I said, they were 8-12 mm-hmm. and 12 at the time we record this. The fact that the Yankees are playing so well, that's yeah. just got to be salt in, the, in their wound. I, I mean, Gee whiz. But again, it's only been one month. One month. You're big on the Colorado Rockies. They're the first playing place, well. Colorado Rockies. Yeah, tied with Arizona can, at the top of the division. Who would have thunk that? I, mean, good I did not see Arizona. Colorado I, I saw. I did not see Arizona. Holy you, you did. And Toronto's been awful. I know yeah. I shouldn't, but I'm enjoying that. Oh, I was just going to say, well, I've enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, taking pleasure in somebody else's lack yeah. of success. How about the... Uh, the preseason favorite Red Sox looking up at the Yankees in the standings. That's been fun. Yeah, it's it's been a, a great season. So there's some good stories, too, some really terrific stories. San Francisco Giants activated Michael Morse this week. Uh, Morse played last in the majors with the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think, a year ago. I think it was mm-hmm. last April. They signed Morse, the Giants did, to a minor league contract. And of course, he had that. He was part of that World Series team. He only played one year in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think he he hit the home run, pinch hit home run in the NLCS. Then goes out and drives in in Game Seven, the game winning RBI. So the, he's got a history with the Giants, mm-hmm. a very good history. Well, then he's been out of the game. They sign into a minor league contract. He, he yeah, they're just a, looking for a body that can play left field at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's got the had a hamstring injury or something, so his his start to the season was slowed. But then he goes up the other night and very first at bat hits a home run. It, it was just it was perfect. What a, what a great story, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Game tying home run, I should say. While that's cool and all, is there a better story? You brought it up earlier. Eric Timms and the Milwaukee Brewers. After playing in Korea the last few seasons and being a star there, coming back to Major League Baseball in a huge way, and as we sit here in the studio on Thursday night recording this program for air on Saturday morning, he leads the league with 11 home runs while also hitting six doubles. Uh, he's got a ton of RBIs. What's he got, 1920 yeah. RBIs? As of this recording, I think he's still hitting over 400. He's just under 400. Just under now. Just okay. under. Uh, man, he's just tearing it up. and. You can label the league's drug testing policy as random. It's not random. Because he's been tested a bunch of times. And he's been tested since, I mean, I think the Cubs made a little bit of a joke about it. You ought Mm -hmm. to test him. Well, he has been. And he's been tested again. And it's just not, Mm -hmm. forgive me, it's it's not random. But it's, I don't know about you, but I love seeing those guys that, 
struggle all of a sudden come along and they're doing well. Tim says this, the whole thing is surprising to me as well. And then I'll be here every day. I have lots of blood and urine. You know, <laughs> He's pretty confident that he's clean. Yeah. And good for him. And like I say, I love these stories. I love stories of people who – we talked about Chris Coughlin at the top of the show. Yeah. A guy that overcame the death of his dad and, and just still playing. Had mm-hmm. that great rookie season. Has struggled, had has injuries, has been bounced around a little bit, but there he is. He's sticking to yeah. it. I love those stories. You know, uh, I love that uh, two of the wildest plays we've ever seen this year both involved Yadier Molina. The one with the ball sticking to his uh, chest protector, yeah. and then Chris Coglin leaping over his head. What a what a, what a play! You know, it's one of those great lessons in sports. This is why we love sports. That battle through it. Stories of perseverance stories of success that if you stick with it good things can happen and mm-hmm. isn't it good to know by the way that god sticks with us he doesn't give up mm-hmm. on us so it's like these guys didn't give up on the game he says in jeremiah thirty-two forty, and i will make an everlasting covenant with them that i will not turn away from them to do good to do them good but i will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me even god's chastisement is for our own our own benefit he says again in hebrews 13 uh, verses 5 and 6, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. That, that's the secret to success. You know, that's the secret mm-hmm. to life. Really trusting God, you know, putting our, no matter how the odds are stacked against you, no matter how what amount of success or maybe lack of success or difficulties you've experienced, don't give up. Keep pressing forward. Keep trusting God. And what a difference in life when you finally mm-hmm. when you finally get that, when everything else is stripped away, when it seems everything we've trusted beforehand is now gone, and we learn that the faithfulness of God and that his promises, well, well they're certain. You can count on them. We learn that it's God that matters most. And uh, what comfort to lean on him, you know, to just. Mm-hmm. Uh, and confidence. He, yeah, to hear deep in your soul him saying, I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. You know, everything else will probably let you down at some point. Even money. Even money has has its limitations on what security it can bring you. God says to keep your lives free from trusting too much in money or really anything else. And you, know, you think about the Israelites. God caught, taught them that as they, that Moses led them through the desert and God provides them manna. They're worried about what, what are we going to eat? God provides manna from heaven. And then, you know, they're trying to scoop it up and, and save enough for several days. And he says, no, trust me. There's only enough there for one day. You know, mm-hmm. you really had what a... And there's so many other lessons in the Bible that are similar teaching us that. But there are times when it's, look, I get it, man. It's hard. It's hard to let go and just trust God. You think of what John Rockefeller was famously asked, you know, how much is enough? And and he said, just a little bit more. You know, Mm -hmm. there are times life puts very steep challenges in front of us. And perhaps you've been knocked down. You've had to overcome. You've had to deal with some things like Michael Morris and, and, and Eric Timms, and, and you wonder if you'll ever get back to the big leagues. But God has a plan for you. He, he wants for you to trust him. And, of course, 
you know, it's a hard thing to do. But part of demonstrating God's glory in our lives is that that we, through through the power of His Spirit, keep trusting Him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the plans that I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope." I, I just want to encourage you: allow God to lead you where it is that He wants to take you. Don't trust in other things. Don't you know, think that you'll lead and, and God will follow you. For sure, God will never leave you, but you can certainly leave him. God doesn't forsake his people even when they sin. He will allow you to make your choice and walk away. He'll allow you to place your trust elsewhere. But remember, he's always there. He's always there to take you back. When you come to him some humbly, you come to him seeking forgiveness. Whatever your battle, keep working, keep pressing, and keep trusting God. I want to tell you what it is that I like this week. Mark 9, verse 37 says, Whosoever shall receive one of such children of my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. What I like this week was 11-year-old Mo Gaba. I believe I pronounced that right. He's thrown out the ceremonial first pitch before an Orioles game, as well as getting to meet Oriole players like Adam Jones, Dylan Bundy, Manager Buck Showalter, although I don't see the excitement in that one. <laughs> the boy is well known in the Baltimore area as being a staunch fan of the Orioles and a frequent caller to sports talk radio. I like how the team and how the area in general has rallied behind this kid who's battling cancer now for the third time and oh, has man. been blind since the age of one due to related tumors. It's a sad story, but they have gotten behind him. According to a GoFundMe page, GABA is in the early stages of his treatment. The support for Mo GABA by the Baltimore community and by the Baltimore Orioles is what I like this week. You like that? You like that? What I liked this week was actually an article I saw in the USA Today about former Chargers quarterback uh, Ryan Leaf. You may remember him as a highly touted college quarterback who was taken early in the first round by the Chargers. Never panned out through more interceptions than touchdowns was out of football after a few short years. Was in the news repeatedly here and there since then for uh, burgling houses to steal people's prescription drugs to feed his prescription drug habit. He had been in and out of uh, police custody over the years for that. Well, he's resurfaced at his, age 40. His, bottom, his rock bottom was lower than Johnny Manziel's it, rock Yeah, it was, it was incredibly low. But he's resurfaced at age 40. He's working for a recovery center now, telling his story, using it to help people who are going through the same things that he went through. Um, I like to see a story like this where someone who's been to the bottom goes to help people who are going through that and uses his story as a testimony. So Ryan Leaf was actually what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? Well, I guess that's it. That's going to be our show for this week. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Beyond the Game program. We hope you've been entertained. Hope you've been encouraged. So it's so easy to see God at work in the world around us, even the sports world, if only you just look. If you haven't done it already, check out Zach's new podcast. He does it with his brother. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, unsolved mysteries, check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast via iTunes, Google Play, wherever you like to get your podcast. Visit their website mythandmysteriespod.com. By the way, if you enjoy our show, if you support our ministry of sharing the gospel through Sports Talk Radio, consider supporting us with a donation, maybe a financial gift of any amount. You can visit our website for more information about that, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at this same time. 
Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Be bold.